Welcome to a new episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. I want to let you know right off the top that I was diagnosed with bronchitis on Sunday. A little bit of, you know, lung spasming and flutters and um, nothing too major, nothing major at all. Um, considering what we're going through, but that means my voice is going to be a little bit off. My breathing might be a little bit weird and I might notoriously cough as I do in good times, <laughs> but I didn't want to miss today's podcast. Um, cause we're heading into the holiday season and I have some really cool um, podcasts coming up for that, including an interview with a colleague and a friend, Serena Baptista. Um, and we're going to record that over the next couple of weeks for you. Yeah, and her story is about losing her seven-year-old son um, and how that experience helped her to become a working medium in her life. Um, so she wrote a beautiful book called A Bridge to Healing, I believe is what her book is called. And uh, I'm going to interview her and we're going to really talk about what grief looks like through the holidays. And I'm going to ask her to provide you like four tips to get through the holidays with grief. Um, and then I have a lot to say about holidays and spiritual matters and family and boundaries and how we connect can connect to the season, even though if you're a sensitive old soul, Sometimes it's a really hard time of year for you because your soul remembers sort of different things and you're sensitive. So often a lot of, you know, things like family and boundaries and tradition can really trigger you. So I've got some really cool podcasts coming up about all of those things. So today's podcast, it's going to be questions and answers I've received from just people listening to the podcast. Um, I'm sorry, you guys hear my dogs in the background, probably. <laughs> oh, brother. So um, I'm just going to, I just received some questions. I think I'm going to answer, let me see, a total of eight questions today. And there, you know, people have a lot of basic questions about intuition because it's shrouded in such ridiculous mystery. And intuition is often so subtle and you're already doing it. It's not necessarily a matter of getting the skill, but rather having the skill and understanding it. <laughs> um, so before I get into the questions and answers, I want to start with a tip. And this tip is, um, the tip is how to file intuition under the appropriate heading. Okay. So when I work with students, what is happening during our sessions is I'm trying to get them to file something under memory and category, um, under the appropriate title. So when we're little psychic kids, which we, you know, everybody is born, um, with intuition, we file things under the wrong heading. So if you see a ghost, obviously in, in America, that's filed under imaginary friend, which is very easy to dismiss and not even consider whether that's an actual spirit or is that a um, ghost? Is that an angel? Like what type of a quote unquote imaginary friend is that? Um, when I have a student that 
is communicating with as a medium with a being on the other side, again, that can go into the category of imaginary friend that can go into pretending that can go under the category of wishful thinking. Um, so those are like basic, like almost everybody that I train and work with files that just simply that under the wrong title. So you can see that our, our work of recovering our intuition and putting things under the appropriate category under the appropriate memory filing is to recategorize things under the correct one. So if we are, if you're sensing a spirit, there has to be a follow-up question. Is this a ghost? Is this an angel? Is this a crossed over spirit on the other side? And so part of our work together is to explore what exactly is this so that you can file it <laughs> today under a appropriate title so that going forward in the future, when you're experiencing your intuition, you're, you're languaging it correctly and therefore you're interacting with it correctly this day and every day going forward. So you know what you're dealing with. The confusion of intuition is con it is the confusion of it. It is that nobody talked to us about it when we were little. Um, often it was dismissed or ridiculed and nothing was ever appropriately categorized. So one of the tips I want to give you today before we get into the questions and answers is today I'm going to file things under the appropriate title. And even if you don't know what that is, that's okay. We're practicing compassion towards ourselves for a life, you know, a lifetime of just not, not knowing, not understanding. Um, but in the prayer today, the practice today would be, how can I appropriately file things under the category? So today, if you could just witness the things that you're sensing with your intuition and your in intuition is experienced through your clairs. So if you're seeing something clairvoyantly, try to sort of slow down and observe what you are sensing, what you're looking at, the images that you see. If you're sort of hearing voices, is that your voice or somebody else's? Um, and sort of pursue that type of questioning. If you're feeling feelings that you don't think are yours, stop and ask, is this me or somebody else? And if that new file that we're starting is, oh, this is somebody else, this would be under the title, Claire sentience, clear feeling. I'm feeling the feelings of others. And the next step would be, well, whose feelings am I feeling? Maybe you're overly tuned into your um, husband or your partner or your sister's feelings. And you are so used to being so in tune with their feelings. You don't know where your feelings are. Um, as a mother, <laughs> you know, we can often be so caught up in what our children are feeling. We don't stop to think, oh, that might not, not be us. And, or, okay, I know where they're at now. Where am I at? So we can have more accountability for our feelings and where we're at today. Um, so again, I'm just planting seeds of this rather large concept of a lifetime of filing memory and experiences under the wrong title, thus keeping you separated from your beautiful and clear intuition. Okay. We'll talk more about that in other podcasts, but I wanted to talk about that and give you a tip today on how to start sort of reeling that in and getting some control over accurate headings and accurate filings. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me take a look at the questions here. 
uh, like I said, I think I'm going to try to get at least answer eight of them today. Kind of keep it a little bit short for my voice and I'm long winded. So even with eight, who knows how long I'll go. <laughs> okay. So let me see. Number one. Let's see. Jessica. Let me see. Jessica from New Zealand asks, do people ask me to coffee because I'm psychic? I just always know what to say. All right, Jessica. Yes, I can easily answer that. Yes. Um, this is a theme that I see with, with other, uh, I see it in myself and I see it in nearly every other, um, sensitive as well. This is, this is more of a claircognizant thing in our personalities. So, um, maybe you've experienced this too. You know, people just kind of ask you out to coffee and people ask you to lunches and maybe you don't even know them very good. And so you kind of brace yourself for that because on some level, whether you know it or not, you know, you're going to be channeling the whole time and channeling comes through claircognizance, meaning, you know, things are just downloaded into us when they tell us a story about their child or their family or their career. Uh, we kind of just know what to say. Um, <laughs> so yes, yes, Jessica, um, you're highly claircognizant and you download information. And so, yes, that would be one of the reasons that you are asked to coffees and lunches, whether you know the people very good or not. And sometimes maybe not invited for a follow-up. I think that's also important to say, um, when people are in our presence and they realize we sort of know things we shouldn't know if they're connecting that dot, obviously, um, that this is also one of the reasons we cannot be invited to things because people think that we see we're reading them constantly and you and I both know we work hard not to read people. We just like want to show up as ourselves and um, have a normal conversation like anybody else and not like who the hell wants to sit with a psychic and be read the whole time. I mean, I don't. Do you? How exhausting for everybody. Um, so it, it can go the other way where you're not invited to, to a lot of things because on some level, again, I don't think most people are really thinking this deeply about us, but um you can have like a standard for people to feel like, um, they have to be on or prepared for your guidance if they invite you to things. So it can go the other way. Um, I want to acknowledge that too. So as I get to the second question, I hear that somebody is jackhammering in our neighborhood. So I'll apologize for that up front too. That is just, this is a, a newer development and I mean, like daily, we've got the jackhammers going on. So <laughs> I apologize for that up front. Okay. So number two is a question from, let's see, it says Moby from South Africa. All right, cool. Um, I have visions of things happening before it does. Is it my fault when things go bad? Oh my God. This is absolutely one of the burdens of being a psychic, especially a clairvoyant, um, uh, okay. First of all, let's see, is it my fault? No, you have visions because you're clairvoyant. You have visions because you're psychic sensitive because you were born that way. And the visions is that you're obviously highly clairvoyant, meaning clear seeing. So you see things. Um, and so much of what happens, um, 
is I want to use the right language. So my guys are saying to say predestined and I'm kind of resisting using that word for some reason, but let's just say, um, one of my really, it just really touched my heart. And this was early in my career. I had, um, a client and she was in her seventies and she was so distraught when she got to my office. And, um, as we got into the reading, I said, I see a horse and the horses escaped. And she said, yeah, my neighbor's horse, uh, like left the barn, you know, jumped the fence this morning. And I had a vision of this and I feel responsible because I didn't tell my neighbor this was going to happen. And, I, you know, and, and her whole body, I, I just I see that in sensitives, um, the tension and the stress and the terror, like it's somehow our fault when we have visions and, you know, let's acknowledge we have visions and a lot of that doesn't happen either. You know, we have thoughts and we have fantasies and we're tapping into potential just like everybody else. So no, it's not your job to tell everybody, every, uh, everything that you see clairvoyantly you have visions and you see potential too. And that doesn't mean every single thing that you vision is going to come true. So, um, this might have been a lesson for the neighbor in, in the story that I'm telling about my client, who's the horse got out. Um, it could be potential and it could be potential for the owners to have to go through that lesson. And that could be, that sort of orchestrating of information that the guides are putting around them, you could be tapping into potential. Um, you know, I, I, maybe you guys have heard Carolyn Mace like says, first the guides give you whispers, then they tell you, and then they burn the house down. <laughs> so I, I, in my own life can see that where when I, finally accepted my intuition and really understood that my guides are working really hard to get me to see things because it's serious and I need to wake up to certain things. And when I would override that with denial or just like wishful thinking, then quote unquote, bad things would happen to me. So I've learned to, to see, oh, if you guys are whispering at me, I need to really start paying attention to those whispers. So when you have a vision of things happening before they do, I want to celebrate your intuition. Yes, you are very clairvoyant. You see things happening. And is it your fault? No way. No way in hell. Um, I, I want to normalize that. We're sensitives. We, we get these things on all aspects. And let's just say as a parent, as a psychic parent, um, I can sort of see things coming for my children that I have to ask, is this for me to, um, interfere with or not? And when I get the no, they're going to have to go through it. That's a really hard place to be in. It's a hard place to allow our loved ones and the people we know and love and care about to go through what we perceive is a hard time. But as somebody who's been through a lifetime of hard times, those are the ways that we grow often the deepest and um, the most. So we don't want to interfere with, with life, you know, shit happens in life. And sometimes the very thing that is the scariest or something we felt like we could have stopped, we absolutely couldn't have because they, or we were supposed to go through that. Okay. And a final point on that is that you could be getting a vision. And the next step would be if you feel guided to call the neighbor, if you feel guided to, um, just reach out and say to somebody, Hey, I, you know, I've got a kind of, I, I kept kind of seeing a vision. Are you okay? Um, so 
again, the second part could be, are you being guided to share that vision? And that is a different thing than, um, not, and let's just say, if you get the guidance to share the vision and you don't, it's still not your fault because they, everybody has guides. Everybody is being guided by angels and spirit guides and, um, being led and directed. And there should be many opportunities to, um, get a warning, if you will, if that is what is to be called. Um, so let's just say if you have a bad feeling about going on a, um, a drive through the mountains in the snow and you kind of get that feeling. So that's guidance, right? Um, and then maybe some, a friend calls and says, Hey, you know, I'm kind of feeling nervous about your drive. That could be a second sort of thing to pay attention to as, Oh, maybe I'm not supposed to take that drive. So yeah, things aren't black and white and like, yeah, no, you never share a vision, but you know, are you being guided to share it? And you know, you're still a person and these things come out of our mouths. So responsible or not, we feel very responsible because they are, this information is coming from us. So, you know, at the beginning of my career, I did not share most things with most people. Um, one of my greatest regrets is on my grandfather on his deathbed, um, actually called me and asked me about my gift basically asked me to be a medium for him. And because I didn't have that relationship with him, I was still nervous about my capability and my comfort as a medium. I could not show up for him in that moment. Um, so I have to have compassion for my own humanity and the way, um, we as people can get in the way of our intuition and, and our gift and offering it to the world. And if you're in that position where you still do that, I, I encourage you to still have a lot of compassion for yourself. You can get to the point where you, you know, effortlessly give guidance and you're just really comfortable with it and you know how to language it and articulate it without making people scared. <laughs> so that's a destination you can absolutely get to. But if you're not there yet, um, just have a lot of compassion for your own humanity for sure. So, okay, let's get to question number three. And this one just says it's from Audrey and Audrey asks, when I ask for guidance, I usually hear conflicting, conflicting answers. How do I know which is the right answer? Um, which is the right answer? Okay, cool. <laughs> I think this is a really important question. So we have, we're getting guidance, right? We're, we're, let's just say we're open to guidance and we hear yes. And we hear no. And, uh, it could be very frustrating and confusing. So let me just language what's going on when we, uh, when we mm, try to access guidance. So we could be clairaudient where we hear, literally hear our guide speaking. And every time I even to this day, reach out to listen to my spirit guide, my birth guide specifically talk to me. If I'm afraid, my fear voice is the loudest voice in the room and it has a voice of its own. Trust me, it does. I, you don't need to trust me. I know you know what I'm talking about. So um, the fear voice is always loud, always hysterical and rather firm. So <laughs> um, I have to just acknowledge that there are going to be other voices, if you will. 
Um, if you're a medium, you typically have five other spirits standing around you, whether you clairvoyantly see them or not, you do. And then you have your guides and there's typically not just one, but several, and they're not like quiet. They talk and interact and that can be very confusing. And then your feelings have voices too, where, um, you know, that maybe it's fear voice. And sometimes people experience it as like their mother's voice. If their mother was really critical and demeaning, um, if their father was indifferent, that, that fear voice, voice, quote unquote, could, could sound like dad's voice where it's like indifferent or, Oh, who cares? Like, okay. So this can take practice to, I would encourage you to journal. Um, so be writing down what you hear and with time, <laughs> excuse me, this just can take time to differentiate between the voices. Is this a guide? Is this of my fear voice? Is this guidance or is this my thinking? So that's a nuance that just takes time and practice um, and patience trying to get through. So I have to, I've learned to, even to this day, <laughs> if I'm afraid of guidance, or if I'm afraid in any way, I'll ask my birth guide to stand in front of me and I will use my other Claire's to get more information. So if I know I'm scared of what I'm hearing, if I'm hearing like a no, it's going to be bad. I'll ask my guide to stand in front of me and shake her head. Yes or no. So though I can hear things and, and Audrey, what it sounds like is your Claire audience. So you get guidance and then you hear a conflicting, um, answer. So I would encourage you to get your birth guide in front of you, not with your physical eyes, but with your clairvoyance. Um, if this is brand new to you, I would encourage you to look at the guide, what color hair, how are they dressed? What do they look like? And this is why it's, I've, I did a podcast. I can't think of which one it was about how important it is to have a relationship with our birth guide. This is the exact reason why. So you'd use your clairvoyance, um, to look at your guide and have them shake their head yes or no. Maybe you could imagine a whiteboard in front of you and ask your guide um, or God or however you're comfortable connecting to that to write the answer on the board so you can look at the answer clairvoyantly. Yeah, could the wrong voice wipe that away and write, you know, your fear voice, right? Hell no, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, obviously these things can happen because there's nuances to all of it. But, um, I would encourage you to, because I want to celebrate your Claire audience, is to listen for the different textures, get used to what your fear voice sounds like, and be leaning towards the voice of your birth guide for all answers, um, confirmational guidance answers going forward in the future, okay? Okay, number four, Jennifer from Maine, okay? I have a lot of spirits or ghost activity in my house. How do I know the difference between a ghost or a spirit? I can't tell. Oh God. This is a fantastic question, Jennifer. So, uh, before I understood, you know, I think again, I, I always go back to the childhood because we do weird things when we're little to block stuff when we don't understand it and we're afraid of it, but that never makes us fully shut it down, if you will. So, um, I was always afraid of everything and I didn't want to see anything. So when I was finally ready to really 
start understanding, comprehending my intuition, I would notice that I sensed that a being standing in the corner and I would dare be brave enough to kind of look a little bit harder. And like every single day I would see this really tall being in the corner. And then I finally noticed it had this like sparkle to it. And sometimes I would notice it shifting positions, like it was standing there and it would move. And that scared me. It just scared the hell out of me. Cause again, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to get answers. And I was just terrified of everything back then. So, um, I finally with time would notice the sparkles, notice it shift and notice it was just always there. And then I was brave enough to, to ask sort of, is this an angel or a guide? And then I'd hear angel. So that was sort of the beginning of me getting brave enough to, one of the ways to know the difference between an angel and a guide and a spirit is to be brave enough to start asking these questions and then listening or just being willing to know what the answer is. So, um, it's important to appropriately label these things because then we know how to deal with them. Angels, tall, sparkly, beautiful angels standing there protecting. Absolutely. That's a stay, please, by all means. I wanted to say the follow-up to that, seeing the angel in the house, my belief system, though I was raised Catholic was still not quite there. Like I didn't think I was deserved of having angels stay and protect. I didn't have the belief system that they were, even though I was seeing them standing there. So I want to acknowledge that we can get in the way with our belief system of the thing that, which is actually there and real. One of the most profound things that ever happened was observing, especially after I gave birth to my son and I had to do a lot of sitting while nursing my child and holding my child and just taking care of a baby. It's a very sedentary experience. Um, I noticed the being the angel standing there. And then one day I was in the kitchen talking to my husband and I fully saw it manifest. I saw the sparkles. I saw the eyes. I saw more, um, refined. It was more of a refined vision of an angel that I've never, um, gone back to. Now I see them, but it was sort of this epiphany. There was this like, it was, it was, I was finally ready to see them as they were. And now I see them as they are, but it wasn't like that at the beginning. Again, that was because of my own training and shut down and fear. So, um, okay. Now my attitude about ghosts is if ghosts are always in, they're in a lower vibration. So they're never, um, I get in arguments with people <laughs> about this because I get, I hate when people, uh, like have pet ghosts. I just think that's so awful. Cause if you can imagine you're in the ghost realm and the people think that's cute or like you're protecting them in some way when really you're in a more, uh, perilous, you know, perilous, is that the right word? A lower vibration. You can't be of much help. Let's just be honest. Um, and you can't be all that happy because you're in a lower vibration than even the earth realm. So yikes. Um, so if you haven't, if you're a medium, especially and you have ghosts around you, that's just a, it's a drag on your energy. They're pulling off your life force to typically animate in that dimension. So it's just not healthy. That's my attitude. That's my observation. Um, I'm pretty hard lined on that, uh, that, that you want to know if there's a ghost in your house, cause it's, it's going to drain your battery and you're the battery. <laughs> okay. So if you can't tell the difference, again, this can be a journey. This can be like <sighs> time. 
It's not often, uh, oh, just that's a ghost, that's an angel, that's a spirit. Yay. It's, it's just not that simple. Um, so for you to know the difference is to start watching for textures. Does that, when you feel the ghost or the spirit standing there, do they feel effervescent? Do they feel lower and darker? Because again, the ghost realm is a lower vibration. Um, if it's a spirit crossed over, then there's nothing wrong with that per se. Um, they don't offer negative energy. They're in a higher, faster vibration because they're crossed over, if you will. So just to know the difference, um, Jennifer, is to start asking these textural questions and, and watching for maybe trying to use your clairvoyance more. And I, again, I come back to journaling and make a note of it because you can connect so many of your own dots if you journal down the map. <laughs> um, so that is what I would recommend, um, for that is to start labeling things appropriately. And if you can't necessarily see them, um, you know, are you seeing them? Are you feeling them? Are you just knowing they're there? And to use another Claire to fill that picture out for you is what I'd recommend. Okay. Number five is from David. And you know what? I think I'm going to go through number five today's through today's podcast. I can sense my energy levels really starting to take a dive. So out of good self-care, I'm going to just answer five questions today and then we'll wrap up this podcast. So David asks, no one in my family is psychic, but I feel like I am. Can I be if no one in my family is? Oh my gosh, the myth of the psychic. Okay. I have a lot to say about this, but I'm going to try to keep it as short and articulate as possible, which probably means I'm going to get carried away. <laughs> so David, um, I want to say that this is a myth that for you to be psychic, your family has to although there can be some truth in it. And I, I want to answer this question by sharing my own. Um, I studied Carol, um, I'm sorry, I studied Sylvia Brown for a very long time and she starts almost every book, which she wrote like 30 plus books with, I come from a long line of psychics. And so I thought, well, I don't, so I can't be. So this is a way for us to get in our own way. So I hate that standard because the truth is, is that I had, I come from, large families and I'm about, I'm the baby girl of all these large families. So I'm the youngest female, I believe out of both of my large families. So I had to come out of the psychic closet feeling like seemingly very alone and sort of introduce this concept into the larger family. And it wasn't until I embraced my own intuition that the elders in my family finally started to connect some dots for themselves. For example, I'm in, you know, intuition training, I'm doing it professionally. I finally sort of tell my dad, Hey, this is what's up. And he got really quiet. And the next day he all day long, he told me all of his psychic stories and I got really frustrated by the end of the day. And I'm like, if you knew this, why didn't you help me when I was young? And he very concisely said, how could I help you with something I didn't understand in myself? <laughs> so yes, you absolutely are a psychic. I can sense it. Even just asking this question, David, I can sense that you are absolutely sensitive and you're an old soul and I can, I can imagine that you probably don't feel, uh, maybe, you know, a lot of sensitives feel like the black sheep of the family. So I want to say, 
if we can all just get rid of the garbage that you have to come from a long line of, of intuitives. If, if you do absolutely celebrate and if you are, you probably do because again, everybody is born with some version of intuition for sure. And, um, you could be the very catalyst that opens this up within your family only if they are willing to acknowledge that within themselves. So, um, yes, and celebrate your sensitivity and as, as much as you can nurture that part of you and celebrate it. And it, it gives permission to the elders or to the young ones or to anybody to start, you know, opening up and honoring that part of themselves. If we don't start, then how can the younger generations ever get a chance to acknowledge this beautiful, incredible aspect of who they are? You know, our intuition is the voice of our soul. And if we are shut down with our intuition, then our soul is not animating in this dimension at its greatest opportunity and potential to do so. So what a fantastic question, David. Thank you for asking. So that is going to be it for this week. And like I said, we're working on a holiday series that um, hopefully will launch on the 25th of November. And um, anyway, I'm just excited to share all of the information with you and share those podcasts with you that are coming up. Um, in the meantime, if you are wondering which is the strongest Claire in you, go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take the quiz, which Claire are you? And um, that should tell you which is the strongest Claire in you, though I have no doubt you have several Claire's that are very strong. So (laughs) anyway, I'll talk to you next week. And in the meantime, remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great.